This is episode 94 of Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Today's guest is Toronto Raptors play-by-play man, Matt Devlin. Matt and I talked about his career in broadcasting, the origins of his time in the minor leagues and the WNBA, as well as some behind-the-scenes looks at how he does his job in the present day with the Raptors. Sit back and enjoy today's episode, but first, a word from our sponsor. If you're like most people, you strive to eat healthy as much as you can, but it gets really difficult when life gets in the way. We get busy, we're running around doing lots of things, it's hard. Being able to eat healthy on the go is super important more than ever now, and that's why I'm here to tell you about G2G Protein Bars. They're the best protein bar for eating healthy on the go. It's made with all natural ingredients, they're fresh, it tastes like homemade, but it's even better. G2G bars have 18 grams of protein and are gluten-free. With eight different flavors, there's so many different things that you can enjoy about the great tastes of G2G bars and what they have to offer. They're fresh, healthy, and delicious. Make sure to get yours at g2gbar.ca or at your local retailer in Canada or the U.S. Welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Sit back and enjoy stories and insight from sports icons from all over. Welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Today, one of the best in the business at his job in Canadian basketball is here to join the show. Toronto Raptors play-by-play man, Matt Devlin. Matt, thanks for being on today. It's super exciting to talk Raptors basketball with you. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate uh, you asking me to be on and you're all set there. You got the right background and everything and you're ready to go. I know that. Well, I think the, the quote goes, you know, dress for the job you want. So I always try to uh, emulate the, the people who have laid the groundwork for such amazing, uh, you know, they have done such amazing work to allow us to be inspired, to try to achieve what they achieve with the people that work at TSN as Sportsnet. So I always uh, try to, Dress sharp because I know that uh, that's what's necessary in the business. I like it. I like it. I like it. You're looking good. Well, and same to you as well. You got the great background there. You got a championship hat I see behind you and a little Larry O'Brien trophy. Yeah, there's uh, finals, a couple of other different, you know, things up there. Championship hat and uh, the Larry OB and a couple of awards and. Uh, all that good stuff, you know? So I, after the, I used to never have, you know, that sort of stuff here. Of course, you know, I never been with an organization that had won an NBA title, but uh, since that time, you know, I figured, you know what, let's go ahead and, um, you know, put all those things, you know, there. So it's kind of, it's kind of worked out, you know? So it's worked out pretty well. And an interesting fact that the listener may not know is that you're, your origins didn't necessarily start in basketball way back in the day after graduating from Boston college, you had some opportunities to work in baseball and do a few other different things at the minor league levels. Now looking back on everything you've done in the NBA, it seems I'm sure like many moons ago that it was, you were down in the South in Texas doing baseball commentary and baseball is an interesting sport to cover when it comes to play by play, because it's a sport where people play all the time. How did you, how do you reflect now on like your experience with working baseball games compared to doing basketball? Well, I think number one, um, great research on your part, which is always key. Um, But you know, it's important to get on the air. Right. And so I had a couple of different internships, didn't make you know any money. And one of them was working some side jobs. And my first job was Abilene, Texas, as a weekend sports anchor at KRBC. And I was there for about 18 months and really wanted to expand my horizons. And that's when I really started thinking about play-by-play. And I was fortunate enough in 1992 to get an internship with the Springfield Cardinals, which at that point was a Midwest league team uh, that uh, played um, under the St. Louis Cardinals and Dimitri Young, who made it to the big leagues, John Mabry, uh, they were on that team and 
they had a really good year. But for me, it was learning, starting to learn the craft of calling play by play. And one of the things that was a couple of things were said to me early on, number one, go to a small town and work your way up. And I ended up in Abilene, Texas. And then when it came to play by play, it was how many games, right? What sport offers you the most games? And obviously baseball, right? The minor league baseball season was 142. So when I messed up the next night, there was another game. I didn't have to wait a week. There weren't two or three games a week, as we know in high school football or basketball or college football and basketball, there aren't as many games. So that was really my first introduction was just getting games. And I spent nearly seven years uh, calling minor league baseball, but along with that, you know, a host of other things, right? I was a sales rep for each one of the teams, as well as a media director for each one of the teams. Um, I also worked high school football and basketball. I worked college, you know, football and basketball on radio and just did as many different things as I could because you have to get experience. And my road to the NBA really first happened with getting an opportunity in the WNBA, uh, in 1999. And then from there, uh, NBA Entertainment, which ran NBA TV, started. It was called NBA.com TV. Um, they started in a studio in Secaucus, New Jersey, and they hired me. It's actually Adam Silver was the head of NBA Entertainment, who's now the commissioner. He hired me uh, to work NBA TV, and I was more of a host at that point on TV, but still always wanted to do play-by-play. So I would continue to do play-by-play, whether it be for the Atlantic 10 Network or ESPN, Madison Square Garden Network, just a whole host. I never turned down a play-by-play opportunity, um, whether it be boxing. I've done Olympics where, you know, I'd never called wrestling before and I, um, you know, did wrestling. I I would, whatever it was, you know, if it allowed me that opportunity uh, to be on the air and learn a craft and try to get better at it, I would do. Doing a variety of sports, as you mentioned, is great for getting lots of reps. And I think it was the very great Vince Scully who said, if you want to become a broadcaster, you got to get on air, you got to get tons of reps and you got to do sports. Like you mentioned, baseball that play very often. How do you compare your experience with calling a sport like baseball with a sport like wrestling, which you had no experience, to basketball, which you were a lot more familiar with? Sports, and then you reference Vin Scully. I, I'll never forget, it was Bob Costas had a show called Later with Bob Costas. We were an NBC affiliate in 1991 in Abilene, Texas. And uh, later with, we didn't carry Later with Bob Costas, but they uh, aired it in the control room. And I went back and watched it. And it was Vin Scully. And Bob Costas talking about if you want to be a great announcer, you need to um, try your hand at play by play and baseball managing time um, in baseball, you know, is a craft. And as I reflect back and look at all the different sports, there's a rhythm to each. Right. And it's finding that rhythm that ultimately allows you to have a delivery um, that enables you to call those different games. And and basketball is definitely more like hockey. You're following the basketball, you're following the puck. It's rat-a-tat-tat-tat-tat typically. Football is, you know, down distance, right? It's, you know, first down and 10 from the 25-yard line, right? And you make the play call, the analyst comes in, And now it's second down and six. Now, some of that has changed with the hurry up offenses and um, guys immediately, especially college, getting to the line and looking constantly to the sideline to make that play call. But it's finding that rhythm. And in baseball, it's creating that picture specifically on radio. And, you know, the right hander looks in, you know, comes set at the belt, you know, Uh, batter left-handed batter you know digs in 
you know, softly with his right foot, the wind's blowing left to right, right? You know, here's a pitch, you know, swung on, ground ball hit sharply to second, scooped up by the second baseman and throws over to first base out by two steps, right? And so it's finding that rhythm and baseball has more of a sense of like you and I sitting here talking, you have that three hours of that conversation and then it's that immediacy of a big play and, you know, can you be on it? Swung on ball, hit into the gap, into left center field, right? Rolls all the way to the wall. And, you know, and then you get into the description of all of what happens there. So each sport to me helps you in the other one, you know, Um, you know, basketball, because things are just a burst, right? It's Fred, boom you know, shot good, right? It's just like these bursts and, and in each sport will have those moments and it's recognizing, you know, when those moments happen. And uh, it's, you know, look, it's a, I, I say to all the young broadcasters that I talk to, there's never a perfect broadcast and you walk away and, you know, you, you know, you think back like, okay, Hey, you know, made a mistake here. How, how would I get better at doing this? I still watch, you know, a lot of my games um, to get a feel and a sense of, you know, what can I do to get better? Um, So there's never been a perfect show and you just try to do the best you can and, um, you know, provide entertainment and information, you know, to the fans. When you get to work alongside a great partner like Jack Armstrong, you guys seem to have a great amount of fun. Even if the game doesn't go the way that the Raptors would like, and even if, like you said, the broadcast doesn't always perfect. Maybe for the fans watching at home, they don't really notice any of those things. But for yourself, you'll notice a lot more and understand the elements behind the scenes. How do you reflect on games after they're done And what are some of the things that you look to do to improve upon broadcasts and your craft within the ins and outs of every game during a season? Because it's still very long for basketball. Yeah, it's, you know, you have 82 games. And and I I would say this, that I always have lived by the game dictates where you go. And if it's a tight game, you're on that game, you're broadcasting every moment, every stitch of that game. And that's why in the playoffs, right, you're on, you know, every single possession. And and, and and during the regular season, you are as well. However, there are games that the lead will grow and it allows you to interject, have a little bit of fun and do some different things to continue to entertain. So hopefully the eyeballs and the fans are still watching. And I, I think that you know, there's been some things through time with the information age that we're in that have adjusted, right? I mean, number one, when I started in the league, when I started broadcasting, you know, there wasn't, uh, you know, nobody had cell phones, you know, forget about, you know, the internet. And, um, you know, the big thing was getting stats off of a fax machine and you would type in this number and they'd spit out, you know, the, the stats and stuff. And, And so, but through that, there's an evolution, right? You know, tonight when I'm broadcasting a game, you can look up certain things. So it, it almost to me puts you in a spot as a play-by-play announcer of, you know, call the action, right? Call the action in front of you. And so the game dictates where you're going to go, call the action. And if a bucket happens, even if you're in the middle of a story, still, you know, recognize that, right? Um, Try to do some things that'll draw people up from their phone as they're watching to the action, right? And that's the same thing in football and baseball. And when I filled in with the Jays, I I felt I was cognizant of that, right? You know, baseball game can be lengthy. And how do you draw the fan back into it with a, you know, certain kind of call based upon the action that's happening? And so, you know, those are the sort of different things that you think about, the rules of the game of basketball specifically, as we talk about basketball here, have changed. There's more possessions than ever before. 
So the action going up and down the court is faster than it ever has been, which means that if you do have something to say, you got to say it, you know, like that. And the lengthy stories that you may be able to have told five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20, you know, those, there's really not much time for it anymore. I'm, I'm looking down now. Okay. So the Raptors, they're fifth in the league in shot attempts at 91. Okay. And 91.3 to be exact. And then Phoenix tonight, that's who the Raptors are playing. They're seventh at 89.7, right? So, I mean, those are a lot of shots that are going up in the course of the game. And then as we know, basketball teams aren't working the clock the way they used to, mm-hmm. you know, now it's, you know, early offense. What are you getting in the first five seconds, eight seconds on the break, certainly with the Raptors, you know, are the best teams out of the break. So all those things are things that you think about, you know, as a broadcaster, right. And, um, and it takes time and, 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 you know, take some, you know, self-analysis of, hey, how you want, but then also, you know, talking to our producer and director just about, okay, what can we fit in? What can't we fit in? You know, as well as talking with, you know, Jack and uh, Alvin and Amy, what can we, you know, fit in here? What can't we fit in? You know, all those things based upon the amount of time that you have, you know, within the flow of the game based on the possessions. It, 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 it's, you know, that's kind of like the inside of the inside, mm-hmm. right? Um, but those are all things that you reflect on. The game of the way that the game of basketball evolves is so interesting to know and to see, like from your perspective, as you're saying, the, the intricacies of how the shots are at an all-time high for, you know, number of possessions, shots they're getting off, how much faster it goes. And even if you look at the way the basketball is played in the 80s, or the flow of a broadcast in the eighties compared to now you look at some, even some of the diff, the different things that commentators are starting to incorporate. I know that Eric Collins in Charlotte, where you used to work with the Bobcats in the mid two thousands has been known for his electric personality and it, it gravitate like fans gravitate towards it. And that's the thing with, you know, some teams are going to attract bigger audiences than others with Charlotte being a bit of a smaller market. What can they do to create a more entertaining broadcast to do something that's more memorable. And what Eric has been doing there is fantastic. And what you've been doing with Toronto with listing several different Canadian cities, communities, and areas that people can identify with. It's something that they look forward to when they watch the broadcast. So when did you start to pick up on some of those little tendencies to make the broadcast more unique for viewers? Yes. So I, you know, I think it's, uh, it's part of just like the evolution I mean, I remember doing things to tie into the community when I was announcing single A baseball in Lake Elsinore, California. But, you know, part of it is, you know, just entertaining the crowd. Uh, There's a connection always with the hometown team and the fans. You want to do that. And I don't think about those things all that much. Um, I let a lot of that emerge um, and just appear in the broadcast. I have all these different stats and all these different notes that I write down, but I don't ever write down, Hey, I got to be excited if I say, or I got to say this. I mean, there's only been, you know, really two times that I've ever, you know, said, okay, I have to try to work this in. Okay. And that was during the championship year, which I'll get to, but the rest of it, like the cities and stuff like that, people will, you know, um, tweet or, you know, Instagram DM or whatever. And can you mention this city, that city? And then I have a lot of people just come up um, and ask, you know, for, you know, a shout out, you know, of a specific city. And the first time I used it was, I want to say probably seven seasons ago, with Kyle Lowry and I think Mississauga was the first shot because it was so far away, you know, recently. And I remember doing this as well with, with Kyle in a push for all-star his all-star potential appearance, which he ended up making six consecutive, just having some fun with that. And recently I've been doing, you know, Freddie all-star, right. Yeah. It just, 
you know, shot went up, he made it. I said, Freddie all-star. And then all of a sudden I was just like, Hey, this, you know, going to stick and I'm going to use it a little bit. And and maybe that's going to draw some attention to Fred. Nobody asked me to say it, you know, nobody, you know, with the Raptors said, Oh, Hey, you, you need to promote Fred or anything. I think Fred is very deserving of it. And so, you know, with Van Vliet, which is, you know, you know, in his name, you got Van, then you got Vliet and then you go all-star, right. You know, so it's like Freddie all-star and, and just, you know, having some fun with that. And, and a lot of different things, bucket and book it, maybe I say a little bit more lasting, you know, throughout broadcast, but I've said, I've said certain things and fans will say, Hey, why aren't you using that again? It's like, I, you know, I try not to always use the same thing. I want to mm-hmm. try to do different things. You know, obviously there is a, you know, with the cities, I, you know, uh, you know, that is something that is reoccurring, but I'm there for 82 games and like this Freddie all-star is going to be a short window, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's between now and when the all-star game is and when the voting happens. Um, and you just come up with just different things and you kind of, you know, you let it ride. Right. And, but I, but I, but I also say this, that I think that, and, and I remember um, a broadcaster uh, told me this, uh, Charlie Jones, who worked years ago for, uh, NBC when they had NFL and, and did Olympics and stuff. And, and I remember introducing myself to him and early on in my career, and I was actually on the same plane as, as he was, I was in the back, he was up in first class and I, I was able to work my way up and, and, uh, introduce myself to him. And I was doing minor league baseball at the time, I think. And, but he said, you know, remember, ultimately, you know, you'll become, the broadcaster and announcer that you like to, to hear, you know? And so as I'm sitting and watching a game, um, you know, there are moments to me that, you know, you just want to bring that energy. And, and, and then I also think that uh, when you think about what we've all been going through over the last couple of years too, you know, that there is an opportunity you know, in a two and a half hour window to, you know, provide some fun. Uh, so that to me is important. And and real quick, I'll get back to a couple of things I mentioned earlier about writing things down. There are times when we get to the playoffs that I'll jot down, you know, some thoughts setting up a game, mm-hmm. right? You know, game one, you know, 2019, you know, NBA Eastern Conference playoffs, Orlando Magic against the, you know, Toronto Raptors, and then provide maybe a context, you know, within that. But as far as like even writing down the cities and having idea of these are the cities that I'm going to say tonight. Now, there are times where I write it down because I'm looking at Twitter and somebody's asking me, hey, can you mention Brampton? Right. And so yeah. I'll go, okay, Brampton, you know, I'm going to write that down just so I kind of remember. And, but other than that game, one of the NBA finals um, against Golden State, I um, didn't write down, but I purposely uh, shouted out all 13 capitals, obviously the 10 for the province and then the three for the territories. And just so happened that they made 13 threes. If they had made 12, I don't know which one would have been left out. And if they had 14 and not too many people, I don't think really picked up on what I did. A couple of people. And then um, the second time game two, I shouted out a lot of the cities that the current number. And at that time, maybe 17, 18. Now it's up over 20 that Canadian players that are currently in the NBA, what cities they either were born in or grew up in. I use that kind of as a, but the only time that at the end of a game, everything that we do is ad lib, right? Mm -hmm. Actions happening in front. That's why I love doing it, right? We have a set plan of who we're going to talk about tonight in the pregame show and in the open. And that could change last minute, depending upon who's in, who's out of the game. Um, And then when the game starts, you know, I have the starting lineups, And it's going to be, you know, Phoenix and Toronto for the first time, you know, this season. 
and Raptors have won six in a row. Phoenix begins a five game um, road trip. And, and so you, you, you kind of set the stage there and you, and you let it go. The only time that I ever um, really thought about what I was going to say mm-hmm. um, at the end of a broadcast was game six of the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. That was one that I remember game five, not wanting myself to think about it, maybe almost as a fan, right? You didn't want to jinx it. Of course. But um, I remember after game five, uh, running into Nick Nurse after the game. And because Kyle, as you may recall, had that opportunity to win it. Mm-hmm. And Draymond Green just got a little piece of the basketball, redirected it and hit the side of the backboard. And and I kind of looked at Nick, I was like, oh, you know, and he's like, ah, that's all right, Maddie. We'll get, you know, we'll get the next one. We'll get this. And so I thought to myself as I was going home, that I'm like, okay, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I got to start thinking about this. And, and so about one 30 in the morning, two in the morning, they sent a text, be at the airport at 9. AM to fly out to San Francisco. That was a Tuesday morning. So I kind of started to think about it on that flight out there. Okay. What am I going to say? And, and then that Wednesday, you know, obviously you're prepping for the game and, and Thursday on the way over there is when I really thought about, you know, I need to say something, you know, short and I need to say something that, you know, you can put an exclamation point on it, uh, but also really brings together everything that this special ride was about over the course of two months. And then, you know, provide, you know, that moment of what exactly did happen. Right. And then, you know, let it breathe and let the pictures show. And, and so I really started to reflect on what that two month journey was like for everybody in Canada. And that's when I came up with the NBA, you know, Canada, the NBA title is yours. And then, and I wanted it to be, you know, kind of short, right to the point, but then also I felt like that provided everybody, you know, kind of, I don't know, captured the moment and, at least I thought in my mind. And so, and then after you say that it's, you know, um, you know, what, what did they accomplish? Right. So it was, you know, the Toronto Raptors are the 2019 NBA champions. And then the other stuff I said in there, it's real, it happened and all that. I I don't even know where any of that, you know, like before I, the other thing, is that I didn't want to say it until the clock struck zero. Of course. Because there had been a lot of different, you know, the games had kind of had a lot of different things happening. So that's when, you know, Steph Curry lets it fly. And then, you know, Canada, the NBA title is yours. And and I wrote that down. I just wrote down, you know, Canada, the NBA title is yours. And I wrote that down on an index card. And, um, and I just kind of, you know, put it there off to the left side of me and, um, and that was it. And th- th- those are the only other times. And in between all of that, the ball going up and that, you know, you're you're just reacting to Kyle Lowry having a great start as he did in game six and, you know, calling the game and describing what you're seeing in front of you. When you mention the 2019 NBA Finals game six, it brings back a lot of memories for me, for someone who grew up watching the Raptors my entire life and having never seen them win a playoff series of seven games or more, and then having seen them do it a few times and just capturing that moment. It was just so odd for, I think for Raptors fans, I think because as Canadians, we're used to seeing you and Jack on the call on TSN on Sportsnet. But then when the games were actually being broadcast by ABC and Mike Breen was on the call, it was just like a world's collide kind of deal and the way that you encaps that you encapsulated, you know, Canada, the NBA title is yours, versus Mike Breen just saying, "Well, well, there's a new NBA champion, and we the North are now we the champs." It was just, even though Mike Breen is is a legend of NBA yeah. broadcasts, the way that you encapsulated it and made it feel Canadian was something that was so memorable. The same way that I'm sure another moment, Kawhi's shot, hmm. just stunned and sent shockwaves across the entire league, not just Raptors fans in a moment like that, 
when Kawhi hit the shot to knock off the 76ers, was that something that you had maybe anticipated or maybe not anticipated he was going to hit the shot, but you were thinking to yourself, okay, well, there's a few notes that I want to make sure to touch upon, like the eight hanging 18 years in the air. Or was that something that was just completely ad-libbed from what you had been talking about building up to the game seven against the Sixers? Yeah. A couple different things. You know, Mike Breen is a, you know, a dear friend and a phenomenal broadcaster, as we all know. And um, he's, you know, somebody that, you know, in my career early on when I was working in New York, uh, you know, was, you know, a great friend. Um, and he, you know, and I, you know, I remember he, he had done some games in the Atlantic 10 network and he was getting more uh, TV games for the New York Knicks. This is late nineties and he wasn't going to be able to do the Atlantic 10 and, anymore and and he made a call on my behalf which was nice unbeknownst to me uh when 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 they asked him like hey is there anybody that you can think of and he said yeah matt devlin and and doris burke and so matt you know i I, doris and i worked the a10 games together um and you know at that time i was doing new york liberty filling in on the new york knicks like pre and post game shows and and everybody has a different style and and at the end, there's a little bit of a different, right? And he would, you know, he he does the Knicks as well as, you know, ESPN, ABC. And so, you know, there is a, a slight difference in, in your call when you go network or when you're doing your home team. And um, and the same Kevin Harlan's, you know, a friend as well. And I worked, you know, for many years, you know, doing playoff games for Turner and he had a tremendous call and he's one of the best too. There's so many great announcers out there. Um, but as it pertains to, uh, you know, the, the call in game seven, you know, at that point, it's really, you go back into the fundamentals of, of broadcasting, which is, you know, time score and what will the shot mean? Right. So, we know that is 4.2 on the clock, you know, 90 to 90. And then if he makes it, Raptors win. And if he misses it, we're going to overtime. So that was it, right? It was time, score, 4.2 on the clock, you know, timeouts left, no timeouts left, fouls to give, no fouls to give. You get all the basics down. And then, you know, Kawhi turns the corner. They switch off, right? Simmons and Bede and, you know, fires over top. And, you know, there was at, at that point, everything was at, I mean, everything's ad lib. Like, a, and then tying in the 18 years and all of that, that had just been, you know, something that was kind of a line locally, right? Through that would not have been something that, uh, you know, more than likely, uh, you know, if you're broadcasting from a from a U.S. network standpoint that you would. But that I knew here in Canada, that was a conversation, right, that was happening, you know, the shot against Philly and, and Vince. And so, um, you know, I don't know, I just tied it in, right? It kind of bounced, suspended in air and, you know, goes through and where Leo and I are kind of looking at it after like the second bounce, I thought to myself, you know, this has got a chance, you know, but all that happens so fast, right. Oh yeah. That, you know, outside of time score um, and what that shot means, that's, you know, really important in those times, you know, and then also to understand that, Silence from an announcer is is sometimes a really pow- powerful thing um, because, you know, that reaction that we saw from Kawhi and the crowd and, um, you know, was just amazing. And I, you know, yearn for those days, you know, with the crowd there and just that, that energy and the feel. But, um, you know, those are things that I think that you you learn as a broadcaster um, I have a lot of notes for this evening's game, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, jotted down here and, and, 
early on as a, as a broadcaster, you have a tendency to want to get everything that you have written down in. And sometimes they're only good for one game. But, you know, as you get older and, and more comfortable and what have you, you kind of understand, hey, the game does, as I mentioned earlier, dictate where you want to go. And I know I'm rambling on a little bit, but you, the, you know, like every day I have, you know, this is the Eastern Conference standings, Western Conference standings. I'll add some further notes when I get to the arena, but I keep track of, you know, that sort of stuff and, and just, you know, different notes and different things that I have in my book that I can kind of go back and, and, and look at and, and keep track of. And, you know, and then you have all this stuff right here and then you let it fly. <laughs> and it's all just, that's the magic of how it happens is when you, when you think back and just even seeing the smile on your face and you're reflecting on the shot that Kawhi hit, it's just something that, you know, people talk about how sports unites us all. And, and those moments, those Canadian heritage moments, for lack of a better term, are ones that will stick with us forever. And even for someone like yourself, who's originally from Syracuse, but is like Jack as well, has been adopted into the family of Canadian basketball and Canada at large as, as a whole. It's those are moments that we'll never forget and honestly, the ones we live for, because that's what makes the game so exciting. Well, look at that's, you know, ultimately, you know, those moments are why I, you know, years earlier decided to, you know, get out of the studio and be on site to call a game. And, you know, we all had that was just a remarkable, special journey that and we all have as I reflect upon it, you know, we all had each of us our own you know, different kind of experience through that time. And, you know, the ability to gather together to watch the games. And during that time, you know, my family and I, between game one and game two, were sworn in as Canadian citizens. Um, so, you know, it was a process that had started years before. And then officially, you know, like two years prior, 18 months prior. Um, and then, uh, ultimately taking, you know, the citizenship test. I want to say it was before game three, maybe the day before game three of the Eastern conference finals. Um, no, it was game two, maybe a anyway, uh, you know, all of that was happening at the same time, which made it really special. Um, and, you know, then, you know, between game one and game two, uh, getting sworn in and then, you know, getting my Canadian passport um, and traveling on that, you know, the second time we went, you know, back there for game six. Uh, so it was, you know, just a special time. And I think I, during all of that, I thought to myself, you know, you know, there's others that are going through and have their own stories. And to your point, that's what kind of connects us all. And it made that run you know, extra special, very much like, you know, the Blue Jays and their run uh, when, you know, they dominated, as we know, you know, baseball, you know, in the early 90s. And and it just brought the city and it brought a country together. And, and that, that, you know, those are the, you know, the the special moments and times. And then, of course, you know, the the parade and uh, just everything that followed was, you know, just amazing. So Matt, we are getting towards the end of our time in today's episode. So I want to do wrap up with a few more quick questions to have a little bit more fun before we go. I'll try to give you a quick answer instead of the long ones that I've been giving you. No problem. No problem. We're, we're having fun either way. So my first question for you is who are your top three favorite broadcasters from when you were growing up? Jack Buck uh, would be uh, number one. Um, he was a voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, but also did, you know, football, um, Bob Costas, um, would be there. Um, there's so many, uh, you know, Marv Albert, uh, from an NBA standpoint, but then prior to that, um, you know, Chick Hearn with the Los Angeles Lakers, when I was doing minor league baseball, I think he was unbeknownst to him, very influential. Um, 
because he really provided a lot of that entertainment sort of stuff. Right. And I'll never forget meeting him uh, when, as a rookie announcer in the NBA and um, he was impactful. There's a lot of really good announcers out there. Um, And, you know, Al Michaels is, you know, one of the best of all time. And um, so there's too many, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave those names right there. Who are your favorite athletes in these respective sports growing up as a kid? Football, basketball, and baseball. I'm gonna, well, my number one favorite of all time um, was actually from a different sport, boxing, and that was Muhammad Ali. Um, I loved Muhammad Ali as a kid growing up. Uh, football growing up was Roger Staubach. It's too long of a story to tell you, uh, but I am no longer a Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, but um, uh, Roger Staubach, I, I uh, ended up getting his autograph when I was about six or seven years old. And, and that kind of turned me in for a long stretch until Tom Landry was let go uh, into a Cowboy fan. Um, baseball, interestingly enough, it, it, it was Bucky Dent of the New York Yankees. He was a shortstop. Um, and then, you know, for basketball, you know, I, I was born in, in Syracuse, but, you know, moved to New York City and was there up until I was 10 before we moved to California and then to Tennessee. And then so, it, it, you know, New York, it was, you know, Clyde, you know, right. And um, and that was, you know, somebody that, you know, you uh, you certainly, you know, thought about and and um, and always enjoyed watching, you know, uh, but then. You know, the 80s, when I was out of an NBA market as a kid, you know, the 80s were really dominated with that game of the week, you know, which always seemed to be the Celtics and the Lakers and, you know, loved watching Magic play and loved Bird, you know, and just, you know, how those, you know, uh, battles would go back and forth. And my final question for you is this, how has becoming a father changed your perspective on your job and or sports in general? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, I think that, um, I think you always want to be cognizant of, or maybe I do, um, when I'm calling a game, you know, there are certain things you can say that are factual, and then there are certain things that are opinion-based and certain things, you know, that you can be critical of, um, but you are cognizant of, you know, family members, right? And, um, I think that there's a little bit of that in there, maybe of, you know, of thinking about, you know, if, if, cause I remember, you know, like you travel with teams, right. And so whatever you say, you know, there'll be a point where, Hey, you said X, Y, Z, and I've had to, you know, on a few occasions say, yes, I did. But is that a fact? And like, well, yeah, that was a fact, you know, you're, you know, you've, I remember in the minor leagues, a guy came up to me and said, Hey, um, you know, why did you say that on the radio last night? You know? And, and I said, well, cause you have given up the most home runs in, in, in the league, you know? And cause yeah, but that does, I said, said, look at, I, you know, love you as a guy, you're a great guy, you know, go grab a coffee. Well, you know, but that's a fact, right. That's not my opinion. Right. That's, you know, and so you always, if you are being critical, you know, is it fact-based, right? And, and maybe I'm cognizant of that. Is that because of my kids or not? I don't know, but I, you know, I do, uh, you know, have sons that play and I do have uh, my older sons, um, a student manager with the university of Iowa basketball team. And, um, I have a, a son that plays out in the BCHL. So, you know, I'll listen to, you know, their broadcasts and, um, a younger son, um, you know, that plays hockey as well and listen to, to their games, what have you. So you're always, you know, um, I don't know, I don't know if you're always, but, you know, just kind of listen and, and say, okay, hey, you know, are you being fair to everybody? Maybe that's it, you know, but that's a good question. And being fair is, that's, as good a thing that we can do as sports fans and as, you know, as parents, of course, of athletes that play various sports, it's, it's always something important to consider. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, look, it's been a lot of fun. And 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 I'll say this, you know, when you think about that, I, I think back about Tampa. Um, and I know during a lot of broadcast fans would be like, well, you're making an excuse for them. And I was like, okay, they showed up to Tampa a week and a half, two weeks prior to the start of training camp. You're trying to move your family, trying to, if you have kids of school age, you're trying to find a school, you're, you know, your whole world is upended. It's not like you're coming back to Toronto for many of those players that are familiar with Toronto. And, and then, you know, I know that at that time, not that they would make excuses, but these are just the realities of life. You know, they get off to a two and 10 start and then all of a sudden they get back to 17 and 17. And then as we know, unfortunately, a wave, you know, went through the team, they were in health and safety protocols and all that. And, you're coming back from that. And those aren't excuses. Those are just real life things that are, that are happening. And, and in those moments, you know, be fair to the fact that, you know, that despite the fact that you're a professional there, there are still things that um, are out there that, you know, you think about, okay, if you had to, if you had a job and all of a sudden they changed your corporate headquarters to another city and you had all of you know, a week to get quote unquote settled in before your job started, you know, how would you be responding all the time? Like it's not, you know, as cut and dry. Right. So, you know, those moments, I think you try to be fair. And the same thing here, coming back here, Raptors, you know, are experiencing something that no other team has to experience right now. Right. And that's no fans in the stands and and they've responded you know, they've won six in a row. They played well, but even through all that, there's only been one game this season that they've had a full complement of players of their top eight. And yet here they are three games over 500. And so, you know, kind of having some of that perspective sometimes helps. And, and, and then sometimes it's, you know, fans will still say, Hey, you're making an excuse for them, but um, that's okay too. You know, I'm, I'm just happy that, you know, they're back here in Toronto playing and the team's playing well that's the most important thing that they can control. And they have another one tonight against the Suns, And that's what we're looking forward to is to seeing how they're going to continue their performance as well. And Fred Van Vliet's bid for an all-star appearance this, this year, Freddie all-star. There you go. Book it, Matt. First of all, I want to acknowledge you for all the great work that you've done for the Raptors and during your career in the NBA and also as well with the WNBA and the minor leagues in baseball. You're someone that served as an inspiration to many Canadians, whether it comes to broadcasting or basketball, especially as the growth of basketball continues to surge in this country. And there is one little bonus feature I want to share with you before we part for today officially. Okay. So. Can you see the screen I can here? See it. Okay. So specifically within myself, I have always wanted to be a broadcaster since I started yeah. watching sports when I was a kid. And when I started watching basketball, it just turned that you and Jack were now on the call and it had transitioned from Chuck Skorsky. So yeah. there is a specific moment that really sticks with me that I want to always thank you for. And it was when my brothers and I got the opportunity to meet you when we were at the Raptors game in Minnesota in 2011. I, I, I don't know how my parents set it up or how that even happened. I was only 15 years old, but you shouted out our family on the broadcast, considering we almost died driving through a whiteout from Winnipeg to Minneapolis to watch a game. And even though the Raptors didn't win, it's a moment that has stuck with me for my entire life. And it's something that is part of the inspiration for me wanting to work in broadcasting and sports. So I really want to thank you for that because it is something that I really, truly cherish. Well, you know, thank you very much. It's uh, extremely uh, meaningful, actually, uh, to me that you brought that up and, and remember uh, that time. And, and I do remember uh, in 2011, right, um, you know, a lot of fans from Manitoba coming down and there was a, a horrible storm um, and you and and all the Raptor fans dominated that uh, that arena. It was all Raptor fans. And I, I remember Jack and I, 
uh, you know, that night, um, you know, you know, spending a lot of time with a lot of fans, but uh, it's awesome. And, you know, thankful, obviously, uh, that, uh, you know, you were able to get out there and you're right there on the court. That's a good, you know, that's a good thing. And, and I appreciate your kind words and, you know, continued success to you. You're on your way. And, you know, you, you know, as I always say, you got to be patiently persistent. I know it sounds kind of funny and crazy, but you just got to be persistent, but you also have to be patient in knowing that, um, you know, your time, time will come and be, um, and, and, and make sure that as, you know, that persistence keeps going and you keep striving that you keep getting better and, and use that time, you know, uh, you know, use it well. So, uh, but anyway, that's, uh, that's great. I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad you still have that photo. That's good. Yeah. It's Thank one that's, sharing that. Oh, of course. And I, I always do my best to act in the way that I know professionals do but I know that within each each of us sports fans, there's always those moments that we remember and whether it be the autograph from Roger Staubach or, you know, however fans get to interact with those that they look up to when they're growing up. It's always something I think that's important to remember because it shows that we're human, you know, that as much as we love yeah. to work in the industry, it's also great to be able to admire those that have come before us and have done the work that inspires to be where we are. Well, yeah, no. Certainly. And uh, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, you sharing that story with me. Matt, thanks again for your time. It was greatly appreciated. And I'm really glad that we had to ha- got the opportunity to have a lot of fun today talking about NBA basketball and about your career. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it and continued success. Thank you very much. And thank you to the listener for enjoying today's episode with Toronto Raptors play-by-play, Matt Devlin. First and goal from the one... This is it, Stiegel, touchdown, Matt Stiegel, touchdown, Regal, 138, and he's the all-time Canadian Football League, touchdown, King. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Check out our social media pages for more at huddleup underscore mb. For full audio, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For full video, head over to YouTube at Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Tune in next week for another great episode. See you next time.